This is the City of Refuge, Thomaston, Georgia, Sunday morning podcast. The following is a live recorded sermon by Pastor Jeff Deal. We've been studying in the book of Jeremiah for a few weeks. We've been reading the book Run with the Horses by Eugene Peterson, which is a study of the book of Jeremiah. Some of us have been reading that book on our own so that we will have a good idea when we come in here of what's happening, of the context of the story, and not just be hearing a one-time, one-and-done sermon, and that's the end of it. So if you don't have that book, Run With the Horses, one of my favorite uh, books of all time. I've read it several times, and once in a while I just have to go there and hang out for a while. And today we're going to look at Jeremiah 18 verses 1 through 4. Get that up on the screen. So God told Jeremiah, up on your feet, go to the potter's house. When you get there, I'll tell you what I have to say. Okay, so we can pause right there and just be reminded that we shouldn't have any expectation that God is going to do this complete work in us until we're willing to go with step number one okay we're willing to start at the beginning and some sometimes people ask well how do i know what god's will is how do i know what god's purpose is for my life how do i hear from god how do i get revelation from god and my answer is always the same just start with the things he's told us all to do Just start with exercising strict obedience to that. And if you'll do that, you will set the table for him to be able to come and feed you lots of personal, individual revelation, information, advice. If you want God to really come and deal with you, personally on an individual level to give you revelation that's going to change your life and empower you to invest in other people start by doing the stuff he's commanded us all to do everybody wants to be the apostle john who lays on the breast of jesus right everybody wants to be simon peter everybody wants to be the apostle paul who's given great revelation and then is able to write letters and pastor churches and start churches and be a, a name that we still call today well how do you get there you start by exercising obedience to the simple things that he's told everybody to do what are some of those things he says When he said, follow me, he meant follow him where he goes. Where does he go? He goes to the poor. He goes to the needy. He goes to the distressed. He goes to the lonely. He goes to the prisoner. He goes to the widow. He goes to the orphan. He goes to the prostitute. You have to be willing to go where he's going. When you go where he's going by obeying his command to follow me, then you will put yourself in position to hear things from him that not everybody's hearing. I don't, maybe it sounds selfish, but I want to be a guy that is hearing things from God that not everybody else is hearing. Why? Because that means that I'm in close enough relationship with Him that He can trust me with those things. That's a pretty cool place to live. 
And you get there by exercising obedience to the small things first. Do not despise small beginnings because small beginnings will take you to great places. He tells us to feed the hungry. He tells us to clothe the naked. He tells us to take care of broken people, to minister to broken lives. And when you do that, you open yourself up for all sorts of transformational work to happen. So he says to Jeremiah, get up on your feet and go to the potter's house. That's all you need to know for now. Don't ask me why. Don't ask me what's going to happen when you get there. Don't ask me for any personal revelation. Just get up and go. I'll tell you what I want you to know when you get there. It says, in the next verse, he says, So I went to the potter's house, and sure enough, the potter was there. If, if God says, go to the potter's house, he wants you to see who's there. He wants you to see what they're doing. He wants to teach you something out of that situation. The potter was there working away at his wheel. And whenever the pot the potter was working on turned out badly, as sometimes happens when you are working with clay, the potter would simply start over and use the same clay to make another pot. Man. So, I want to read you a quick um, paragraph from the book, Run With the Horses. All right. God's task through Jeremiah is this. How can I get these people to take me seriously right here where they are? How can I get them to see that I am working right now silently and invisibly but surely and eternally in their lives and in their history? How can I get them to see the connections between what they are doing now and who they will be in 10 years and 20 years? How can I get them to see the continuities between what I did in Abraham and Moses and David and what they are now? How can I get them out of their tedious egos into my glorious will here and now? What's the answer? Several questions in a row there, and then he gives the answer. Here's the answer. Go to the potter's house. What does that mean? It means whatever the first step is that God has told you to take, just take it. Okay? Stop worrying about the end result and worry about whether or not you are being obedient to step number one. What is the little thing? What is the thing that God is telling you to do? I'm going to tell you right now, as a, a pastor, a minister, a leader, an influencer of sorts, I guess, in the kingdom, the, one of the most frustrating things that we encounter, one of the most frustrating things involved in this kind of life, in this kind of calling, is just feeling like you're always trying to chip away at an enormous stone wall with a rock hammer. Anybody know what a rock hammer is? Well, it's about that big with a little bitty head on it. You ever seen the movie The Shawshank Redemption? If you watch it, watch it on TV where it's filtered, you know. Um, but he uses a rock hammer to chip his way out of prison. I don't know how thick that wall was, but it took him 20 years 
That's what it feels like sometimes when you are trying to tell people how to get into that sweet spot in the kingdom where God wants them to live, and you just can't get them to do step number one. Just be faithful. Just hear and obey. Just pay attention to all those little ridiculous things that Jesus said we have to do if we're going to be his followers and do them. And, and churches all over the place are filled up right now with Christian people who are doing nothing. They're doing nothing but calling themselves Christians. That's it. Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. I go to church here and there. Well, I didn't ask you where do you go to church. What are you doing in the kingdom? What are you doing to make a difference? What are you doing as it relates to what God has told us to do in the earth? Just get up. Go to the potter's house and pay attention. I'm going to teach you what you need to know out of that. Okay, and he's going to teach us some stuff today. I got some pottery up here. I brought just as an object lesson. This is a piece of Native American pottery. It was actually made by people who live on the Navajo Indian Reservation in New Mexico. It was made in Gallup, New Mexico. It was given to my parents, and I inherited it. This is handmade stuff. It sits on the shelf in my office, and you know what purpose it serves? It serves to beautify an otherwise pretty drab environment. And at this point in time, that's the only thing it serves. That's the only purpose it serves. Other than when I looked in it this morning, it has some dried up leaves in it. So, but it's nice, right? It's pretty. And it's cool that it was made that way, and it's cool. It's, got, it's marked on the bottom. That it was made by those people. That's a cool thing. These were made in Jamaica. There's a place in Ocho Rios, Jamaica called Wasi Art. And when we lived in Jamaica, we went to Wasi Art a few times. And that's where we got this stuff. This also is handmade, right, in a real pottery shop. We watched stuff like this being made. You know what purpose this serves? It serves to beautify the environment. I mean, it's pretty cool. It's got fruits painted on it and all that kind of stuff. And once in a while, we do pull this out and we put some stuff on it and we use it as a serving platter. That makes it even better, right? You see, sometimes we take things that are beautiful and the only purpose they serve is the beauty that they present. That's why we put them up as decorations. That's why we put them on shelves. That's why we have museums. We, we have museums so that we can separate the useful from the beautiful. We can separate the plain from the extraordinary, or at least whatever our definition of extraordinary is. We, we can separate stuff that is considered in human terms to be valuable from things that are not so valuable. But let me tell you about how the kingdom of God works. There's no such thing as being beautiful and not useful. And there's no such thing as being useful but not beautiful. Some of us probably looked in the mirror this morning and went, hmm, I'm looking pretty good, right? Um, 
God's not doing too bad right now. Look at me. Other people might have looked in the mirror and said, my gosh, what in the world's going on? Right? It's a whole lot worse today than it was yesterday. Hey, listen to me. In the kingdom, as a kingdom son, a kingdom daughter of God, regardless of where you come from, regardless of your skin color, regardless of your background, regardless of your economic status, regardless of your social status, regardless of the number of followers you have on social media, none of that matters. God sees you, if you are a kingdom son, a kingdom daughter, as valuable, beautiful, and useful all. At the same time, he looks at nobody and says, well, they're pretty useful, but they're really not beautiful. Everybody's beautiful. Everybody's useful in the kingdom. These two little things right here were actually made at Wasiart by my daughters, J.C. and Maddie. They sat down at the potter's wheel, and the potter came behind them and wrapped his arms around and helped them to take just a lump. These, these started out as a little lump of clay, right? And, and to form a little pot. It's plain, it's not painted, it's not fancy, it's got some flaws, but it's special because of who made it, because of the environment it was made in, because Jamaica is a special place to us. We spent some time there, we did some work there, our daughter was born there, right? But you know what purpose those serve? to look at, to tell a story about. We're not using them for anything, for any purpose, any useful purpose, and that's okay. You know, I'm not saying everything that you own has to be used that way, but you get the point, right? The potter is the father, and we are the clay, and he forms us. And he makes something out of us. And he doesn't do that so that we can just stand around or just observe or just do nothing or not utilize the gifts and the talents and the beauty that's inside of us for his glory and for the benefit of other people. He sees us as useful and beautiful. We should see ourselves that same way. You see, when Jeremiah went down to the potter's house, this was not like going to Wasiart. The potter's house in Jeremiah's day was just like going into an auto mechanic shop today. It, it was just like going into any business today. It was like going into the printers. It was like going into the butcher shop. It was a regular, ordinary part of their culture and their society, and everybody knew about it. Nothing happened in the potter's house, in the potter's business that was made just for a novelty, just for an attraction, just for a decoration. Everything was practical. Everything was part of ordinary life. It was at the potter's house that you got functional instruments that you used in your everyday life. I don't know if you've ever considered this. I hadn't really until reviewing the book again. Do you know that pottery is one of a few things that you can really attribute civilized society to? Because before there was such a thing as pottery, people were on the move always just to survive. It was about 
moving to the next spot where you could find what you needed to sustain yourself for that day or that few days or for very short periods of time. You had nothing to store anything in, right? You had nothing to carry anything in, right? Because every dish, every bowl, every utensil that we use today started with very rustic implements to put stuff in or to put stuff on. And it was almost always made out of clay or wood or stone. And when someone got the bright idea one day to start carving out this or that to make a spot to put something, it changed the world. It helped to civilize the world because now you could settle down. Now you could stay in one place. Literally, towns, communities, villages, and cities grew up because of the invention of pottery, at least partly, in addition to a few other things. It was, it's one of the most significant things that's ever happened. You could finally settle. It was not for decoration. It was not to be put on a shelf and left. It was beautiful, maybe. A lot of times it wasn't beautiful, but sometimes it was. But it was also extremely useful. And so Jeremiah looked at the potter and he saw something he'd never seen before. Oh, he had seen potters make pottery for sure. He, he had seen the operation. He knew what it was about. But all of a sudden, he saw something brand new. He saw a picture of God taking clay and making a people. Making a people to worship Him. Making a people for His glory, making a people who could be useful instruments in His kingdom. So here's, here's the lesson for us today. You're a lump of clay. That's what you've always been. That's what I am. That's what we are. Right? We know that Adam was created from what? Dirt and water. Eve was created from dirt and water. They are our earliest ancestors. We all are ancestors of that. We're all made out of clay. And when God formed us, He formed us for a purpose. He formed us beautifully, but He also formed us functionally. He formed you to do something. He formed you to serve a purpose. He formed you to give of yourself for the benefit of mankind and for the glory of God. This is the picture that Jeremiah saw. He saw God at work forming people. And this is a man who had an experience, who had a previous word from God. If you go back to the first chapter, the first verses of the book of Jeremiah that we've already talked about, what do you find? You find God saying to Jeremiah, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you and I had a plan for you. My plan for you was that you'd be a prophet to the nations. That's your individual calling. That's your individual assignment. 
And now he comes to the point where he's watching a picture of God forming a people. And he's reminded of that. And he understands at levels he's never understood before that God creates all of us the same way he created Jeremiah. So i got to tell you today that before you were put together in your mother's womb, God knew you were coming. He knew that that lump of clay was going to be there and he was going to form that lump of clay for a purpose. That you in your own way were going to be a prophet to the nations by giving away through the gifts and talents and bents that he placed in you to bless his people and to bring glory to him and to advance his kingdom. But I know the questions. I know the statements. I know the excuses. Well, Jeff, that's all cool, but I'm broken. I might be a piece of pottery that the potter's been working on, but you don't understand what I've been through. I'm broken. I've been ruined. I'm messed up. I have faults and defects. The experiences of my life have, have messed me up. I could never serve any useful purpose in the kingdom. I, I'm here to tell you today that that is a lie, and you need to stop believing the lie. Because here's the truth you can count on. That lump of clay that is referenced, that was, start, that was used, that was the initiation of you in the beginning, is still the same lump of clay. N nothing has changed with the original design, the original purpose, the original thing that God had to work with is still there. Stop looking at the circumstances, the collateral damage, the fallout, the brokenness, the picture of yourself that doesn't look as good as it once did. You see, that's not the point. That doesn't matter. Right? We've got examples in this room of people who started as that lump of clay and who were shaped and formed into something beautiful and functional, but who were dropped, who were busted, shattered, messed up, who now, today, are living in their purpose. Why? Because they were brought to an understanding that that lump of clay is still there and that the potter is still working. He's still at the wheel. He hasn't gone anywhere. He's still picking up broken pieces, broken pottery, and putting it back into his design on the wheel and, and making something beautiful and functional out of it again because he's a God of again and again and again. I'll use Anton because he's not in here, right? talking to him this morning not about this 
but he was sharing with me different things about the practicality of his life. Credit repair, child support that had to be dealt with, a record that had to be dealt with, a life-gripping addiction that had to be dealt with. And he said, Jeff, I was 40, and I know because I was right there. Been in on it the whole time. He said, I was 40 when my life started to be rebuilt. Rebuilt. And he said he keeps telling these guys he works with and mighty man and guys that come to him with addictions, guys who are in the same situation he was in seven years ago. He keeps telling them over and over, listen, it's never too late to submit yourself for a rebuild because you're still the same person that you were when you were born. You're still the same person inside of you, down inside all of that mess, all the rubble that's been piled up through years of dysfunction and brokenness. That same person's still in there. You just got to chip away and dig him out. And so Anton, he hasn't arrived. None of us have. He hasn't won the prize. None of us have. But he keeps submitting himself to the potter. And now what's he doing? Investing in the lives of other people who are suffering with the same problems he used to have. Rebuilding his family relationships. Rebuilding his finances. Rebuilding his credit. Rebuilding all the stuff that was broken and slammed on the ground. And the investment in, he's making in other guys is going to change their lives. So, like Jeremiah, you were on the wheel before you were born. Before you were ever born, you were on the wheel. And he was forming you. I knew you and I had plans. And okay, you got broken. But you know what? You are still useful and you are still beautiful. Because the next picture he sees... It says, when you're working with the clay, the potter would simply start over and do what? Use the same clay to make another pot. Now, I see people sometimes come through our programs and you, I mean, when you, when you first see them, you know that life has just not treated them well. They may walk with a limp. They may have evidence that bones were broken through abuse at some point that never were repaired correctly. They may have scars, tattoos, right? I got no problem with tattoos until I see a girl who has a number tattooed on her neck. 
Why? Because she used to be owned by somebody. And you know when you see her, she's been through it. But I know girls with tattoos, ugly tattoos, who are now serving a useful purpose. In my book, there's a chapter called Indispensable. It's about two girls, stepsisters. Don't have time to tell the whole story, but just tell you about one of them. Born into dysfunction, born into drug addiction, born into abuse, born into adult irresponsibility. Father went to prison. Stepfather comes in. He's abusive. He's evil. She is reaching out for love, for acceptance, becomes sexually active, 12, 13 years old. At 13, she's pregnant. Gives birth to her first child at 14. Moves in with the child's father. Doesn't work out. Divorced at 16. Gets mixed up with another guy, pregnant again. As happens so often, one of the most unexplainable things in all of humanity, this guy is just like her stepfather was. Starts to beat her, starts to abuse her. Loved to come up behind her without her knowing he was coming and kick her in the back. Knock her forward, she suffers with, suffers with back issues today because he liked to see the bruise imprint of his boot on her back gave him some sort of thrill she numbs her pain with drugs alcohol she finally leaves him but in leaving him she loses her two children loses custody goes more and more into hardcore drugs and then prostitution to support the habit in and out of jail right Finally, she knows she's dying. And she's having a conversation with a woman who sees her and comes up to her and is very concerned about her condition. She says, can I help you? She breaks down and she explains, I'm, I'm going to kill myself. The lady says, well, before you do that, I got somebody I want you to talk to. And she takes her to a city of refuge. And they brought her to Atlanta and enrolled her in House of Cherith. And she spent two, two and a half years dealing with the trauma, the abuse, the hurt, the brokenness. Well, she simply said yes. Yes, I'll do what you tell me. Yes, even though I don't think it's really possible, I will obey. 
I'll go with the plan. I'll go with the program. She completed the program. Today, she lives in her own apartment. She works for House of Cherith. I see her coming and going, driving one of the Suburbans, taking other ladies to appointments to the grocery store. She's in good relationship with her oldest child. The other two are still in the custody of the abusive guy's mother. But she is being presented now to the world as a beautiful and useful instrument. It's possible. Listen, none of you in this room have a worse story than she has. It may, it may neighbor it, but it can't be worse because there are a lot of details of her story I'm not sharing with you. And her stepsister is also included in that story. Same thing. Her abuse was horrific. Yeah, brokenness happens. It's unfortunate. We see the signs. Sometimes those signs... The evidence doesn't completely go away physically. We can see it. But I think, I think when God picks up that lump of brokenness and reforms it on the wheel, even if it comes out with a crack in it here or there, a chip in it here or there, or the paint didn't, absorbed just right here and there and it's off a little bit with this or that I think he looks at it and smiles and says well isn't this what it's all about useful and beautiful regardless of what happened so I hope you'll go out of here really really embracing the fact that it doesn't matter how old you are, it doesn't matter what you've been through, it doesn't matter what the collateral damage was, God sees you as just as valuable as any other person anywhere. Equally valuable to everybody else. There are no up here, the guy with the microphone just because he's got the microphone don't make him more important than you. Okay? The guy writing a book is not more important than you. Right? Everybody has equal value. The cleanest, most undamaged of all people is no more valuable than the most broken of all people in the sight of God. Remind yourself of that all the time. Let's pray. Father, if we didn't have the assurance of second chances and third and fourth and on and on chances with you, then we'd have no hope because all of us have been disobedient and all of us have been hurt and all of us have been broken at some level and damaged at some level. But we know today that we can come back to you and just fall in front of you as broken clay and that you'll pick us up and that you will gently 
begin to form and mold and fix our lives. I thank you that you've done it for so many of us. And you still say, come. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, who've been beaten up by life. I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. I'll make you into what I want you to be, what I've always designed for you to be. Bless you for that. I pray that your people will go here in blessings of peace and power and provision and protection for your glory. Amen. Amen.